0: Do you love Making Movies is Hard and you want to listen to more episodes?
1: Jump over to our Patreon page at patreon.com mmih and you can listen to the entire back catalog of episodes for just $1.99 a month.
0: That's an additional 300 episodes that aren't on iTunes that you can listen to whenever you please.
1: But without any more blibber blabber. Back to the show.
0: You know, Making Movies is Hard. Making Movies is Hard.
1: Welcome. This is the podcast about the struggle of being an independent filmmaker. I'm Mark Bissell, the founding host of the podcast. I'm a sci-fi horror filmmaker, and my first feature film, The Alternate, is out now on digital DVD and Tubi.
0: I'm Liz Manischel. I'm a writer, director, producer who has made two features. Bread and Butter and Speed of Life, and I'm currently making others, including one called Best Friends Forever. I'm a distribution consultant who does sales, and I used to manage Sundance's Creative Distribution Initiative. On this Thursday throwback episode, we're going to play our interview with filmmakers Angie Powers and Elizabeth Stark from way back in January 2019 with one of our old co-hosts, L. Jeffrey Moore. Angie and Elizabeth talked to Ulrich and L. Jeffrey Moore about how they got into filmmaking, making movies as a couple and making their first feature film Lost in the Middle. We thought this was a good match. I mean, I haven't heard it, so I'm just going to say that Ulrich thought this was a good match for our talk with the Alishas from Akadosh for Bernie Madoff, which we released earlier this week, because this is an interview with another filmmaking team about pulling their feature together. And also, it sounds like it's delving into what kind of partnerships you could have in terms of creative partnerships and personal partnerships that contribute to making a movie. After that, we play another round of You're the expert you're the expert i don't know what the voice is still but first <laughs> don't forget to check out our patreon page so, what is Patreon? Patreon is a way where you support artists, you patronize them. Patreon, our Patreon link is patreon.com mmihpodcast. And it's a monthly fee. It could be super low. $1.99 is all you need to contribute a month to get access to our entire back catalog. That's an insanely good deal. So, I encourage you to take us up on it. But without any further bibble babble, here's our throwback interview with Angie Powers and Elizabeth Stark.
2: Today's special guests are two Bay Area filmmakers who have made the jump to making their first feature film Lost in the Middle. Please welcome Angie Powers and wife producing partner Elizabeth Stark. Hey, ladies, thanks for coming on the show. Thank Our you for pleasure. having us. Yeah. Awesome. So, why don't you guys tell me? Tell uh, tell us a little bit about yourselves.
3: Elizabeth, you want to start?
4: <laughs> sure. Um, well, let's see. We live in Sebastopol, California, up in the uh, wine country, Sonoma County, and um, where Angie grew up. And uh, we run a business together called Book Writing World, where we teach creative writing to adults, and um, we also do other our own writing projects. And um, Angie's a film what a screenwriter <laughs> a director. <laughs> pick up anytime you want in
3: I'm just a film
4: um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm a novelist turned producer
3: yes and I actually have an MFA in fiction and creative writing an MA in film and a screen writing program certificate and um, made some short films uh, and now I'm making a long one so there you go that's my bio made some short films, and now making a long one.
2: Well, that seems to be the, pr- the process. <laughs> nice. Like, you make a lot of short films, then you're like, I should do something else. And, oh, hey, let's do a feature.
1: So, um, I-, I wanted to know about how you both got into filmmaking and-, and how you, you know, did you, like, go to film school? Did you just figure it out on your own? Like, how did you, you know, make your first short film?
3: My- first short film, my very, very, very first short film, I actually went to uh, City College in San Francisco and took a production class. And so the f- I made a complete short film in the production class that got into the Frameline Festival. And it was an assignment that was basically, you know, take a character through space. And so I thought, well, San Francisco has great railroad apartments, lots of good space. So I used that. And Elizabeth was, in fact, in that film. <laughs> and uh, so that was my first film That's how I started That was called yes. Hot Date
1: Oh, not on IMDb Hot Oh, it's date, not? Huh? Okay mm. I don't Not see surprising there. I did everything um, on it
3: So it's not got the production value That one would have. Uh, but it did play yes. at Frameline So there you go That's
1: pretty That's, that's amazing Wow, <laughs> so what year was that That you made uh, Hot Date?
4: 2006
1: yes. Wow and is that when you guys met, or did you know each other before then?
4: We met Thanksgiving 1991 at a vegan uh, festival. Festivities. Oh, uh, that's not
3: oh festival. wow. The <laughs> <laughs> vegan dinner. A vegan dinner. I'm enjoying that. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So. Wow.
1: <laughs> wow. I didn't know they had vegan Thanksgivings yes. in 1991. I Back thought that was like day.
2: a new thing. No.
0: What did all that comprise uh, of? No, it was, it was like Mario made
3: the seitan turkey. But it was just be- basically like a sponge in a foil pan. And then your the rest of your veggies. And, like, I think yeast gravy. Wine. So- Wine.
1: <laughs> oh, wow. Nice. Uh, yeah, my parents were, um, you know, macrobiotic uh, cookers. Or <laughs> chefs cookers. Chefs. Chefs. I like cookers. When I was a kid. There and my mom used to make seitan all the time. So, oh, so you um, totally know. Yeah, but I love seitan more than yeah. an- Tofurky or anything else I think seitan's One of the best of the It's like your comfort things. food Yes But isn't it Pure gluten though <laughs> Yeah <laughs> And I love gluten So that yeah, doesn't Yeah they've stripped everything but, you know.
3: but the gluten out In seitan So um, No but you, It you is know. not for the gluten free Yeah
2: No not at all Yeah Wow
1: So then yes. um, So you guys knew, Know each other for a long time Then And then So when you made a Hot Date It was just like, did you have interest in acting or was it just more like a thing where Angie was like, hey, I need an actor. Will you be in this movie?
4: Yeah, I mean, I did acting when I was a teenager, but at that (laughs) point, I actually was pregnant and she just needed somebody and I was available. And another friend of mine did it and we used another friend's apartment. It was that kind of thing.
1: Oh, wow. Awesome. And then so, Angie, what made you decide to get into filmmaking at that point in your life? Was it just something that you'd always wanted to do and you... We're like finally gonna do it or was there something that drove you towards making that movie and, and doing the frameline thing?
3: Well, I think the the main drive for film for me has always been that it is both collaborative and uh solo. It is both sort of creative and linear, and it is also um, you know, there are certain things that are it's I just have a very broad set of interests. And so it lets me be the weirdo techie person that I like to be and the intuitive, creative person that I like to be. And I really got clear on that when I started making the short films. And then it was just fun because I had that chunk of time with the cast and crew, but I had that solo time when I was writing. Um, So I think that's – it's one of the few – Things that lets nice. me really and when have you, all sides. When of you started making yourself.
1: films, like what was the goal that you had as a filmmaker? Was it just to tell that specific story and then nothing else mattered? Or do you have like, you know, any other goals in mind when you got into the whole, the whole thing?
3: Well, I, it's sort of funny. I'm not really, uh, I have learned to better promote myself than I did when I first got into film. Our second film, Little Mutinies, was played at the Palm Springs Short Fest. And um, that was a great opportunity to network. There were name actors a hanging director. out in the film uh, filmmaker lounge. It was directors oh, wow. and directors and – I showed up with like my shorts and flip-flops and everyone else was there with all of the marketing material. And I was like, what is this? Okay,
4: my favorite story about this is that Angie quarterfinaled for the Nichols one one year and a couple of agents called our house to say, you know, what else do you have? And she was like, I don't really write commercial films. (laughs) in all fairness in this period we had two young children and you know it was a miracle that we made it to Palm Springs so I give us that
2: no as a parent definitely I totally get the fact that you know at least you got there now I I have questions about that like were you
1: just not interested in pursuing an agent at that time or was it like I
3: didn't really understand I was coming from I think well one it was 12 years ago right so at this point so When we look at how the world is now and how it it was then, like the fact that agents called me, right? Like, I think at this point I would get an email or someone would catch me up in social media or something. These people called my house. I was having conversations with them. Um, It just wasn't the same concept. I mean, I don't even know exactly when Facebook came out, but- it was just – it was a different time. And so, I didn't really know. And I think um, uh-huh. it, it's confusing because you, you think the, that what you want to do is go to Hollywood because those are the jobs and people are there. And there is an amazing amount of stuff happening down there right now for sure. And there's amazing things happening up here. And I think when I think about my goals now – Uh, I'm excited to find people to collaborate with who are part of the community I'm a part of because I think there are ways now to actually financially support yourself through your creativity and um, be able to do it in a way that doesn't mean you have to go be part of a bigger machine. But I could be
2: wrong. So have the two of you have had a talk about moving down to LA.
4: We've had like fantasies sort of about it because we're fiction writers, right? So we're, we're thinking, we always imagine every scenario we, we talk about moving to London, Paris, Spain, yes. where, you know, I've never, I've never even been, but, um, nice. so it's come up like well, that. We
3: have definitely talked about it. You more than <laughs> Would I, you I have do friends that who end, are I don't think... um, definitely part of a community down there. Um, and again, I don't, you know, when you look at what it means to be part of these, like when I do a uh, corporate video, cause again, I have to do that sort of on the side. When I do that, those people are so concerned about things that can make it less fun to be doing the work and mm. Hollywood's a business. I don't. Give me an example
1: of the things people are concerned about that make it less fun. I'm well, just
3: curious. I mean, interestingly enough, I've found that in some ways, my standards might be higher than some of my clients with regard to what I'm putting out. (laughs) And...
1: That's almost always the case. (laughs) I mean, not always. But I mean, you know, oftentimes it's like, just get the thing shot and get Mm -hmm. it on time (laughs) and good enough is is, is great.
3: For a dollar and a half and... Um, a lot of like, you know, here we're doing these event things. Can you bring one shooter? And you're just like, I could, but I would have nothing to work with in the edit. And they're like, great. <laughs> just like, okay. And so, um, and I have, you know, I don't know. I've never been in the Hollywood, you know, machine. But I imagine that there is also an awareness of budgets and costs and timeline and who's doing what and um i i it's hard to imagine maybe it's my my own limited imagination but at this juncture going down there i don't know that i would have the time to maybe do the kinds of things that i would want to do which is also to build relationships as i'm collaborating with people which
4: is definitely kind of how the answer to how did we fund our our feature film. But I want to circle back really quickly and just Mm -hmm. say two quick things about the not being ready to promote yourself and your your art. Because I think there are two two things. One is, um, you know, if you're socialized, um, not to be the person who takes center stage. Uh, for example, if you're socialized female or you're queer or you're, you know, there's like lots of people who aren't socialized to be like, yes, you're going to be interested in me. You know, thank goodness uh, you yeah. called. Like it's about time, you know, Mr. Agent or whatever. So I, I think that's I think that's one thing. And I think the other thing is not understanding the business side of, of the art and whatever model, you know, because mm-hmm. I think Angie's sort of, Intimating that there, you know, she's really interested in some of the self-distribution models and some of the more grassroots, and we're definitely working in a super micro budget, create you know, community-sponsored um, form, and I think there's a lot that's really exciting about that. And you know, as a novelist, it's taken me a long time to really commit to also being a part of the industry and understanding it at all the levels and being able to speak to it so that when you, you know, so that you're ready to go out and say, I know what your interests are. I know what you're looking for. Here's how I can say who, you know, how I fit that and how we're, how we're, our interests relate and how my art fits into your industry.
2: Right. And that comes with, you know, time, of course, and then also not feeling, not feeling as if you have to do anything in order to quote unquote, make it.
4: But, and educating yourself about it, you know, it's, it's not that kind of art can sometimes seem super mysterious, like, oh, this is my creative, you know, soul expressing itself. And then it's like, okay, but what, how do you build an audience? What do people actually want? What do we want when we're on the audience side of things? You know, what, and, and actually being willing to ask those questions and put them in conversation with the woo-woo creative <laughs> I think part. after this
3: conversation, I might want to maybe do an informational interview with some people down there, because if it's at all like the rest of the fun of filmmaking, well, maybe we should move to Hollywood. Well, it's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, we're, gonna, we're moving to Hollywood right
4: after this recording. Well, I don't know.
1: <laughs> I mean, I don't really understand how the business side of it really works either, which, you know, is something I'm, well, I'm desperately trying to figure it out, you know?
3: Well, I think there are a lot of things like there's a long history of independent film and, I think when we look at what can be done on what size budget now, it's ridiculous. And when you consider that most films, even ones that people drop $5 million on, are going to actually end up spending most, if not all of their life on a computer screen, it's a very different set of uh, technical requirements than if it's going to be up on a 12-foot screen. Those are just very different animals. And I think we you can make some amazing stuff. And that's one of the things that I was really experimenting with in terms of the production model for for Lost in the Middle. I think you can make some amazing things with very limited equipment and with the intention of using Uh, Creating a story to meet your your technical limitations so that you're not spending $150,000 to get, you know, a RED when it's actually going to end up on a computer screen. Well,
1: the other thing I would say about that is that, you know, if you shoot on something like even a GH4 or these other less expensive cameras, I mean, they look good enough where if you do blow it up onto a big screen, it does hold up. You know, like there's lots of scenes mm-hmm. in, in big movies that are shot on 5Ds and, and other and iPhones. even. Right. You know, and it's, it's yes. like Jeff right. just challenged me to make a movie on my iPhone uh, recently, which will be a, a podcast episode. I don't know if it'll be out now or later when whenever this pe- episode releases. But um, it was just kind of mind blowing to shoot something with the phone and then look at it on my screen and be like, mm-hmm. this looks Pretty good. <laughs> like like what the hell?
3: Right. Exactly. <laughs>
2: I'm telling you, I was very excited when they accepted. Well, Tangerine,
3: right? right, right. Awesome. And well and talk about what we did. Talk because we shot so We actually with- saw shot with two GH fours and um our cinematographer kindly loaned us his uh he broken on crimes. Oh, nice. So um We were shooting on those with the GH4s. We had two cameras going. And the whole intention was to create sort of a 360 uh, shooting environment that the actors could walk around in.
1: And Interesting. It wasn't
3: like, yeah, and it wasn't like it was my creative, like, singular idea. It's actually something that has been around for a very long time. And so uh, I, you know... Well, you know, film's been around for a hundred and something years at this point. Um, But it's been around long enough that it wasn't surprising. And there were a lot of articles, books, uh, documentaries where you could hear people talking about doing this kind of project. Uh, And so I really wanted to design it to be, we did boom it, right? We did boom some of it. But we also used a lot of the uh, wireless uh, labs to get more flexibility. So you do end up with challenges in framing and you also end up with interesting opportunities for the actors to engage in ways they might not if it's overly structured. So
1: so when you say 360 shooting environment, do you mean that you like light it in a way where you can shoot the whole room wherever you want to set up the cameras, yes. basically. Yes. Um,
3: yes. Yeah, so we were all handheld. Okay. So it's it's a group film, and and it's supposed to feel both funny and a little bit like the whole world's a little bit shaky. So we were never on sticks. So we did the whole thing handheld, and um, you know, you know, on a rig. Yeah, a lot of natural lighting, augmenting it here and there. And I think it came out surprisingly well, given that. So, you know, the value of the film, if we were to add up the time that people volunteered, um, far exceeds what we actually ended up paying out. Um, We're hoping that the film ends up being something where those people can take that volunteer time and be proud of where it ends up and what it's, what it's become and where it goes. Yes. (laughs) right. Um,
1: Did did you guys do deferred payment deals with anybody or was it all just kind of understanding that like this donate, this is a donation based film. You're just putting your time into it. And then like, just to make this thing that we all care about.
3: Well, it was, that assumed we had a certain amount of planning that we maybe didn't, Basically what happened was I decided we had to shoot it like ASAP. Otherwise it wasn't going to get done. And I still don't think I was wrong
0: (laughs) because we didn't really
3: have. Yeah. I mean, we didn't really have a hard set requirement. So if we didn't make a deadline, it wasn't going to happen. So we ended up, I am. Yes. Yeah.
4: And we got, we got Guinevere Turner attached and, um, and Mm -hmm. then it ended up like kind of having this little media blitz that went viral. And we ended up getting like 300 people emailing us saying, I want to be involved. I want to volunteer. So we ended up with this kind of incredible volunteer cast. So we didn't do any formal agreements and there is no profit in the movie at this point. Um, if there were, I would definitely want to funnel it back to all the participants. We like, we have no way are planning to, you know, abscond. Yeah. I don't think anybody's
3: saying that. Um, it it really was a scrappy film in many many ways, and um, so there's definitely things that I look back and feel like we could do better, for sure. Um, but right, but that's we one of the things you know. At would this do point, we more crowdfunding, getting, getting closer. closer. Like when I watch this film, I feel good about it, and uh, we submitted to a fairly well recognized film festival and got rejected, but it was a very friendly rejection. <laughs> Which to me says something. Yes.
1: Do you do you wanna say what film festival it is, or you specifically don't want to say rejection. what film festival it is?
3: I would think I wanna wait till we get in somewhere before I actually talk about the rest okay. of it. But
1: my, yeah. my, uh, my old partner the the podcast, Timothy, his favorite thing is to talk about, um, people who get rejected from Sundance and the re- Sundance rejection numbers and how everyone gets rejected from, yes. rejected from Sundance unless you're like a certain person, whatever. So my inside guess is yes. Sundance, but
3: you'd have to say. <laughs> that would be a good guess. But, um, you know, and that's why I think it's, it's easy to get depressed and dissuaded, but I feel actually like, It was a nice rejection, which is not something you normally get. And yeah.
2: Did it feel like it was uh, like tailor made for you or, or what?
3: And so.
2: Cool. Cool.
3: Yeah. It was people that's
4: had huge. seen it and talked about it. Well, that's and a plus that's for them
2: actually seeing I mean. <laughs> it and then saying something about it. I mean, <laughs> yeah. because there there are talks that you know, when when a film is submitted, no one ever watches it and they reject you anyway. So, like if yeah. you
3: put up a Vimeo link, yeah, they they actually download it. We actually talked to somebody and, and learned that um, people think because you can track,
4: you know, who's how many views something's had. They actually they download it in a way that, so that they can you know they sweep it away and watch it somewhere else wow. so we have yeah, that whole that's thing interesting. i mean it wasn't it, true
1: i just what my initial thought when you're talking about you know the feelings of getting rejected from a film festival especially sundance is just like i don't feel like anyone should be feeling bad when they don't get into sundance and the fact that you got a personalized rejection email i mean that's really wonderful so yeah You guys should be feeling. Thank you. Awesome. Definitely.
4: But you know, what's funny and maybe this is partly because film is so collaborative. I mean, because like I say, I'm, I'm really a a novelist, although actually novel writing ends up being more collaborative than they, you'd think. Yeah. But I mean, and maybe because this is Angie's artistic vision, but I just, what I love is that I love this film and that um, I don't rethink it or reevaluate it because of this, you know, rejection. And um, I think that's where you want to get to with, you know, with these kinds of things, because you can't, you know, you can't control it. And we all know films we love that are our favorite films that, you know, didn't make it here, here, and here. And, um, you know, or films you say you have to watch this and someone else can't get into it. So it's all so subjective, but if you can love your own thing, I think that's a a gift. Well,
3: you know, and in all fairness, we applied at a very late, late date (laughs) and, it didn't have color or soundtrack. So, so, so it had. You know, we didn't have the great music that was that would be coming very shortly. Well, and I'm just
1: really because you talked about shooting with two cameras, and you talked about your 360 um, shooting environment that you set up for for your scenes. Um, mm-hmm. How did you use your two cameras? Like, did you do wide and tight? on one actor or did you shoot the, the two medium shots of the two actors talking at the same time? Like how, how did you use your two cameras?
3: It would depend on the setup that we were in. So in some places we would do the wide and the, and the medium. And actually we shot in 4k where we could, uh, with the idea that we would in fact continue to blow up if we needed to. So we didn't do super, super tight. Um, because we knew we were going out to 180. And we so in some tight spaces, we did that. Because you couldn't have people sort of super across the room from each other. In bigger spaces, we definitely um, did actually sort of multiple things. So uh, if you ever see the movie, Ulrich, um, the, there are a lot of circular scenes where people are arguing across a table or doing something like that. And so we would have people in that case, you know, hiding in the hallway at one point, doing one actor and someone else hide, you know, coming the other direction. So we would get coverage that way. It just depended on the room nice. or the space.
1: That's awesome. Um, so, when you did that kind of coverage, where you would shoot on either side, like either like you know both halves of the table at the same mm-hmm. time, what kind of coverage would you get for those scenes? Would you make sure that you got a medium shot or a close up on each actor talking, or did you sometimes just we let it never go?
3: worried about the we never worried about the close up ah. because again we were shooting in four K, so if you're pushing into a close up, you don't see the background. As much, so it's not going to... I think the time that when when you blow up and it isn't as effective is when you're going from really wide to, say, a medium because you have some of that environment and you can have a sense of... Uh, that you didn't really change lenses. Ah, uh, yeah. So you
1: thought the so, way that you guys did it, you ended up making it... So it didn't really... You couldn't tell that you just pushed in. Like, it looks like it could have just been a lens swap just as well. Wow. Right. That's right. smart.
3: And then we... Um, you know, it's also a great way to catch. There were some times when we couldn't have two rolling at the same time. So if we couldn't have two rolling at the same time, I often uh, would ask our, one of our, uh, the the second camera operator, Ben, to pick up detail shots, things that we knew we would want to use later. So in some ways it was a little bit like a documentary and we knew okay in this fight scene we might might want to see hands or we might wanna see uh you know I don't even remember. I have a big thing for hands, I guess. Um <laughs> so so you could get detail shots or other B roll while the other person was working if they couldn't both be doing coverage.
2: Cool. Cool. Uh nice. I I wanna I wanna get into a lot of, uh, into some of the uh, creative parts. So how, how did Lost in the Middle uh, come to be, you know, as far as like, how'd you think about it? Were there any people in your real life that you were like, Oh, these would make great characters. Let me, let me talk about that.
3: Yeah, I actually started, the idea was originally for a wedding. Um, My friend from high school, I have some friends that I am have been friends with since high school. And one of them was getting married. And I just looked around the table. Of course, all the high school friends were in the back because we're sort of badly behaved. And we, I just looked around and there was one friend talking about how she and her wife have three different anniversaries because of regulations around gay marriage. And one person was going through a divorce and one person, you know, was, recently married to his, you know, sort of ideal love person. And so the original idea started with, oh, well, old friends at a wedding. Mm -hmm. But old friends at a wedding doesn't really have as much force as grief. Can I just say one more thing
4: about this? Because I I really love this piece, which is the thing that happened at that – Oh, Cine- I can never remember that which one it was, but the place in Idlewild where you had to go pitch a
3: film where you got you tell that story. <laughs> do, do you know what I'm talking about? Gosh, uh, I yeah, no, we were at a pitch thing, and I I don't remember exactly it even what I said. so You kind of might an have to tell that story. To pitch something, and it was it was in a
4: learning environment, so it wasn't like uh, about getting funding or anything, but it was a practice opportunity, and it seemed like well, let's just do this, and so we kind of pulled from some real life stuff to just create really clear, memorable characters, memorable to Angie, you know, mm-hmm. um, and a story. And, and, and so, and then she went and pitched it and they really loved it. And it, so I, I feel like that in some ways was the heart of this because you know what I mean? You were started thinking about those people.
3: Right. But the intention of this particular story, I, I love my friends. I, think the environment that I grew up in hated it when I was a kid, just hated it. Couldn't wait to leave. Uh, But I think it's remarkably beautiful now. And it's a place that I want to share with other people. So those are the two things, my friends and the place I grew up. Are the things that sort of
2: drive this story? That's awesome. I mean, one of the things that I really dug about the script. I guess you know we haven't really you know talked about it, but I am actually in the film, and it's all
4: about your character. I
2: know, right? Just it's just kind of yeah,
1: yeah. Okay,
4: his character is the one who dies.
1: Oh wow! And so
4: it's and he was the heart Spoiler. of the group. Yeah, well, it's the beginning. <laughs> it's oh, <okay>. the beginning. <laughs>
1: <laughs> there's there's no trailer, right? So I, have, I don't know anything really about the I, movie. That's the
3: other thing I'm working oh, on right now. he's okay. working on the well, trailer maybe by
1: the time we release this episode, the trailer will be done and we can attach it to this <laughs> uh, this episode.
2: Yeah, oh yeah. But what, what, what was well. really cool? What was really cool about it? You know, is just the fact that you know when I read the script. And, you know, I I just realized I was like, man, these these people are like my high school classmates. When when I was in high school, you know, I was, you know, the the theater geek. And so it just, you know, Mm -hmm. everybody was comprised of you know, whatever. And most of my classmates who actually came out and later became a part of the LGBTQ community, uh, where I grew up in North Carolina, and, and seeing the first uh, screening was like, oh, great, this is pretty much what I knew I wanted to see in film anyway, you know, like the new normal, you know, where Uh we're now seeing movies, you know, and TV shows that are beginning to reflect the world that we live, you know, in the 21st century. So,
3: which is, <laughs> well, which is I mean, actually definitely. this is
2: relatively speaking, of course. <laughs> <laughs> yes. The world we
4: want to see. Some of us are in a completely different <laughs> world. The bubble that we live in, in the 21st century yeah. in oh, Northern
1: California. Oh, but, but you yeah. know,
4: Angie. I mean, we're here. We're back where she grew up, and um, and it has some of the drawbacks of the suburbs. But she did really have this quite diverse group of friends, and um, you know, it's some of. Some Of them, none of them were completely out in that they were the kids
3: that went to college from my right. high school.
2: <laughs> that's <laughs> where oh, my, my friends things. came out. Well, they were, all went to college. I was yeah. like, Well, yeah, you yes. kind of new, but you know, thanks, <laughs>
3: yeah.
1: Um, and uh, then and you grew up in Sonoma County, is that is that right?
3: Yeah, nice. so we moved here when I was seven, so okay. Um, that makes me yeah. kind of a new, so, color, yeah, like but- I said. <laughs> I am a newcomer. I did go to an elementary school where they, you know, have people like, if your grandparents went here, remain standing. And, you know, it is a small town, but it's changing a lot. It is changing a lot and um, in many ways for the better. And um, so it's – but the environment, the space, the – you know, right now I'm looking out my window and just enjoying the storm clouds, the trees, and – there's just so much greenery here that it I, I want to capture that and bring it into the rest of the world. And, you know, I feel like it's just something that it, to me is still so beautiful. That's
2: awesome. That's, that's yeah. awesome. That's really cool. Um, and another thing. OK, so I haven't told you ladies this, but <laughs> I, I had a little mini geek fest in my head. Knowing that when I when I first saw uh, the posting on Facebook about your movie and Gwyneth Turner being in it, uh-huh. I, of course, was like, fuck American Psycho. I'm like, hell, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I got to get up in. Yes. This, you know, and so how, so how long how long have you guys known each other? And she seems to you know, pop up in most of your work.
4: well she's so
2: amazing right if
4: if you have the opportunity uh yes so i don't exactly remember maybe it was my my co-director i made a film called ftf female to femme which is a kind of mock you documentary about gender transition and um she was in it and um that was a long time ago or i don't know when was that anyway uh, and that, and so that was, that was kind of how I knew her from that film. And so right. then we asked her to be in, um, in the short, the short little, little muties, muties, and she came up and did that. And I mean, she's just incredibly
3: generous and she's talented. Wow. That's great. Yes, absolutely. She's hugely generous. And, you know, we actually had people that were working on that film ask, like, how did you get her to do this? And I was like, um, I asked. And so uh, I, I yeah. do think that That's you my did ask. We, That's the I, reason I'm the producer well, is because yeah. I, I know. She's the producer. But, well, I asked you. <laughs> that and was challenging there was a lot of that challenging that we hadn't been married that many decades. <laughs> right. We did have kids. Um, but I do think that one of those things, like when we went to Palm Springs, um, I met. Oh my gosh! If you can get a short film into Palm Springs, that is a phenomenal short film festival. Yeah. The people there are so Congratulations nice. Congratulations for getting
1: reason. in. I mean, I, I've gotten rejected from oh, them thank you. A, a lot of times, so. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, they're great. I have two. Like, don't. They <laughs> okay. also loved one another, so she helped. Yes, so that helps and but we got to meet you know some you know directors of feature films talk about like How do you connect with stars and how do you strategize and how do you do those kind of reaching out things? Again, I'm terrible at those. So I guess I would suggest to filmmakers out there, if you are terrible about asking for things, marry someone who's better at it. And then- (laughs) Or um, (laughs) find a
4: producer. You don't have to marry that person. Right. (laughs) Well,
3: that's
2: a marriage pretty much into itself though, whether it's on on paper or partnership.
4: (laughs) One of the things that the director we spoke with maybe uh, whose name I'm forgetting um, at at Palm Springs suggested is there's this incredible depth of talent among women, you know, sort of in their later thirties and up um, and that you can go to, to those women. And and sometimes they'll even produce a film, you know, they'll be interested in playing a, Mm a fiscal role and a talent role if they see it as a strong vehicle for themselves, that wasn't yeah. exactly the strategy here. But I just thought, you know, th- that's what I've just heard is that th- you know, there's Interesting. Just everybody's writing films for people who are very young, and there are incredible people who are not very young.
1: Well, the leads in my yes. movies are like, uh, or my movie that I'm trying to make are mid 30s or older. It could be like mid 30s to late their early 40s. Yeah. So, so you then, know, hmm. hey, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> There you go. Yeah.
3: yeah. Well, so the guy that we actually talked to was Eric Avellino and he did American Gun and that was his film. And he, again, was talking about just that, that again, strategic. I don't think it's just women of a certain age that are interested in that. I think there are so many people and so many communities who are ready to see their own stories prioritized. And so I think you can reach out in ways that you might not expect um you know it's just right if you're telling a compelling story people want to hear that and be part of it yeah um, i think reaching
1: those people so. is the hardest part because sometimes the agents and the managers can put up a pretty big wall to get through you know so having that personal Absolutely.
4: connection
3: helps Yes. But I was a big fan of
4: you can also manufacture the personal connection to a certain extent by really understanding not only the person that you're going after, but maybe even the agent or the manager, whoever's providing the wall, like really saying, doing a little bit of research and saying, you know, you, I, I noticed that your client, you know, X, did this indie film and it was really successful. And I feel like this could be a similar vehicle for client. Why? Because I really targeted this, you know, role to, I've shaped this role for them or whatever. And I would love ah. for them to have a chance to, I mean, I just, this is, yeah. this is really from the literary side of things that I've been mm-hmm. learning this, but just, you can, you know, it's like, it's just the difference between like hitting on someone, at a bar because they're the next person after the person you, who just rejected you. <laughs> and really right, drunk. Right. Right. Versus just like perseverance. I, right. Versus like, I know who you are and I want to work with you and mm-hmm. your client for these specific
1: reasons. Right. 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 Exactly. Like it's crafting the, the introduction basically. Yeah. yeah. I mean, but Absolutely. I feel like, you know, for um, anyone that like any of the people that are on the top list of who I want to be in my movie, there's all like, really amazing. They're all really amazing people that I I would have a really good, you know, explanation of why I want them, you know, and it isn't Mm -hmm. for me, it isn't just anybody It not just like whatever actor uh, I can get I want. It's like, no, I'm truly going after certain specific people for certain specific reasons, whether it's like, I have a connection to them through some work that they've done that I feel really, really strongly about, or because I've seen them in other things that I feel like they're underutilized, Mm -hmm. like, you know, whatever. There's like lots of different reasons, you
3: know. Um, And that might be one of those places where being a, not just someone who's submitted to a film festival, but festival, but someone who is a participant who who participates in a film festival community, you can actually get closer to people because you're uh, the person who's there uh, helping the film festival get, that person's work out or, um, working with people who works, work with that person, right. you know, it's, it's, it's tough. You know,
4: who, who is it out there? Like just thinking from their side, like what do you have to offer them? You know? And I, I love mm-hmm. what you're saying, Ulrich, And I think that's exactly it. Like that you're, you're specifically looking after them and like, what's the win-win and just, you know, and just not being afraid to say it.
1: Right. Yeah, 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 that's a good point. Um, so we have about five minutes left. Um, I'm just really curious. So you've got this movie. It's done. You're or almost done. You're submitting it to film festivals. Um, mm-hmm. What like, what are your plans next? Are you just going to stick with this in, in the festival stage and trying to get it released? And you, you talked about self-distribution. Is that sort of what you're looking at for this film?
3: Yeah. So my hope is to really, you know, there's a lot of ways right now where you can pay someone to put your movie somewhere. What I want to do is connect with people through a film festival run, and I think that's possible, and develop audience of film lovers, and then move into a place of of distribution from that process. I don't think I'm going to get picked up by some big company, but, uh, But you know, someone... Right. Well, you know, someone local, uh, a friend of ours, the the aunt of one of our kids' friends, did Lane nineteen, right? But she had a film in South by Southwest called Lane nineteen seventy three, and was also shot up here in Sonoma County. Uh, not a comedy, and you know she got picked up by the Orchard, and um, I think there are companies that are interested in looking at. Films that are doing well and building audience and helping it get to where it needs to go on a platform and be featured. But I think if it doesn't end up being that route, it's important that you know we have a plan B. So the plan B then would be how do we get it onto a platform like iTunes in such a way that it has a chance of being seen in a bigger way? So it's not just like oh, it's up on iTunes. Here's the you know four hundred character link, but how do we figure out to get it even for a day as a featured film on, on the iTunes front page? Real real
2: quick, real quick. If you really wanted to have it uh, distributed by some not major, but you know, quasi major distribution company, where do you think lost in the middle fits fit in the uh, grant? And we're going to have to cut this out, but when, (laughs) Ah oh, just lost my train of thought. you're you're done. I'm yeah, kidding. I'm done. No, no, I was like, oh, no, no, no. as far as like if you if you had a distributor, who would you want it to be? Where does lost in the middle fit for which which company that you think? Uh-huh.
0: Mm.
3: Well, you know, there's always fantasies like focus features. I think they do a lot of interesting nice. things.
1: I was going to say something like a twenty-four. Yeah, you I was know? totally thinking that.
3: Yes, a yeah. twenty-four is another great. <laughs>
1: yes, we'd all we all um, want to be a twenty-four
3: uh, movies, right? <laughs> it, it, well, right. Yeah, but those are the only ones worth. No, but I think yeah, that would be awesome. I think, and here's one of the other things: like production value is is probably going to hamper this film as well, like. I think it looks great. I think it's enjoyable. I intentionally shot it that particular way, but it doesn't have the gloss that another film will have, what and about tangerine? it will.
2: Yeah, don't sell yourself short. I mean, there's yeah, Tangerine, Unsane. <laughs> both the both of those films are shot okay. on iPhones. I, yeah, I feel
3: like
1: some right. people. I feel like to me, what I like in a movie is is like raw, like. Power, you know whether whatever Mm -hmm. that means to to you but like it could be in performance it could be in visuals it could be in just the way that you focus your lens you know and so but i don't think that feeling that i'm describing or trying to describe has anything to do with production value you know i think it just has to do with the way that you look at the world and the way that you capture it as a filmmaker you know and and i respond really well to a movie that has that kind of energy you know and I mean like this isn't a great example because Get Out also had a great budget but that's an example of a movie that I feel like just had this raw energy to it you know Mm -hmm. Um, but there's other movies that are older or maybe even had lower budgets like you know that that also have that raw power to them too you know um if only i can right. name some right now <laughs> but, but uh yeah but i mean i think we all know what, what that feels like when you see a movie that has that kind of like richness or just it just draws you in you know yeah.
3: and i think i was very very lucky With the cast, with the crew, we had amazing people step forward. Our cinematographer and our uh, second cam did a lot of work. I mean, you know, if you don't know how much work a cinematographer does, uh, you don't really sort of understand film.
1: (laughs) Right? (laughs) They
3: were so... Skilled and um, I just felt very lucky to be working with them on the project, and they worked well with our sound crew and um you know, having a crew that gets along is so important, and we had literally we had a couple of days where we shot twenty pages, and oh, wow. the yeah, I mean, the entire film was twelve days, Man. and um so it's. Definitely, you know, of the things, like, between a fancy camera and fancy this is and that's, like, spend some time maybe on team building.
1: And, and how big was your team um, altogether when you, on, on any given shooting day? Oh, gosh.
4: Well, just from the craft services angle, I will say that we were <laughs> sort of like a big day was maybe feeding 20, 20 to 22 people, including um, cast and a crew. And, that, and there were, there were eight main, there were like eight lead characters. So it was, it was a pretty tight crew.
1: Nice. Wow. But 20, that's still pretty freaking, you know, substantial, especially on that Absolutely. kind of budget. I mean, my goodness, that's pretty amazing.
4: But that's like, yeah, I guess so. It was, <laughs> I was expecting
1: they, like five or ten or something. Right?
3: <laughs> <laughs> and that's that's the thing. That again, we were so blessed with people taking time to participate and be, you know. And I said it at the the cast and crew screening, but for me, there probably are very few screenings besides that one that will be more stressful because this is. The work they did. And it was my responsibility to do something with the work that they did and to make their time worthwhile. So having that group of people see it and like it felt probably more important than almost anything else, except for getting it out into the world.
1: (laughs) Wow. Nice. Um, Well, I know we have to wrap it up. So um, Mm. last question for you, where can we find your work? Do you have a website? Um, Is there a place that we can see your previous movies, trailers, anything like that?
3: So uh, Angie com. I have my stuff up there and uh, it should have links to different Smaller projects that I've done, although I'll be honest, I need to <coughs> update it. Um, also
4: check out our and podcast,
3: Storymaker Show,
4: which is on iTunes and Stitcher and all that.
3: Oh, yeah. And then, and then we have Lost in the Middle on Facebook. So if you look it up Lost in the Middle movie on Facebook, um, you'll see four photos there. <gasps> awesome.
4: So. <Sweet>. And there's <laughs> more to come. I mean, we, we're, we're kind of just, I'm we're kidding, turning I'm public kidding. sort of now, right? So we're, we'll do, we'll do yes. it. Like, we'll, yeah. So you'll, you'll hear more.
1: Well, right now it's probably late January, maybe early February is when people are going to be hearing this roughly. Oh, um,
3: it's going to be yeah. so amazing! Yep. By and then. then, everyone yeah. will You're have already heard, heard of
1: it. <laughs> Oh, great! Yeah, perfect. Right. They'll have yes. seen the trailer before they listen to this podcast. Yay. You know, they've seen exactly. the movie. Hopefully, it's
4: in their local <laughs> yeah. theater. Yeah, yeah exactly.
2: totally. <laughs> well, definitely, definitely wish you guys the best of luck. I thoroughly enjoyed being a part of the production. I thoroughly enjoyed meeting the two of you, and it's just been a blast.
3: Well.
4: Oh, it has Thank, Thank you, you so and, much, Jeff. And, and you are so talented, Jeffrey. It was, it was an honor to yes. have you be the oh, heart of the film.
2: Stop it. Stop <laughs> it. Keep going. He is <laughs> he he it. talented. We all yeah. know yeah. that. Yes. Um,
4: yes
1: and then so. one one little, really quickly. So Angie and I actually worked on a movie together, like what, yes. two years ago, Angie, roughly? Maybe more. Uh, I think
3: I think it's three, three years, years ago, ago at this oh, point. My gosh. Yeah, yeah.
1: Cause yeah. And I remember talking to you at the time. Then you were saying, "Oh, I'm going to go out and make my first feature, hopefully soon, or whatever." And, and <laughs> it's amazing that, like, yeah, three years later, it's done that's awesome. So
3: in the blink of an yeah, eye, <laughs>
1: it's pretty, pretty amazing. I mean, well, Hey, I've been working on the same movie since then and, and yes. I'm still fundraising. So, so,
3: yeah. Hey, let me know if I can volunteer on either of your guys's projects oh. or anything that I could do. Yeah, to that's, help. That's, so that's, so that's mostly how we're paying back that. our cast and crew. So in kind well, labor. <laughs> Sweet. Yeah. No. If you want to,
1: you know, work on uh, in the camera department on my movie, I'm sure we'll, uh, we'd love to have you. Um, All right. <laughs> the pay will be very, yeah. very low. <laughs> <laughs> but it'll but be fun. I,
3: I understand.
4: The great thing that, about yes. film people is Sarah. that you know you guys just can't get enough of it, right? I mean, no. that was the amazing yeah. thing. Everyone just we wanted to be there to for twelve it. hours a day. It's yeah.
1: like we just can't be stop. Yeah. blend for yeah. punishment. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, uh, we'll we'll have links to all the things that you guys just talked about on the website. Um, we'll find you know your old movies, trailers, whatever. All that stuff will be there. Um, if you want to check out our website, you can go to making is where you can find links to things we talked about on this episode. Um, if you want to get in contact with us, you can send an email to podcast at making is hard.com or find us on Twitter at, and Facebook at M M I H podcast. And please, if you like the show, please tell friends, spread the word. You could also leave a review on, on iTunes or Stitcher. And, uh, Jeff, we'll have to put your contact information on there. Cause you don't have access to the podcast email, but we'll make sure that your email's on there too so people can see you and awesome. reach out to you. Um, but yeah, Jeff, thank you for a great episode. And uh, Elizabeth you, and right. Angie, you guys thank are you. amazing. Thank you so was much. Really and, yeah, it's
3: really fun. Thank you, super all. Super right.
1: inspiring. And I'm you know, basically going to just take that energy and go make my movie next year, Woo-hoo! no matter what. Yay! <laughs> yeah. Yay! Yeah. All right, guys. Have a great week.
0: <laughs> Bye. Okay, Auric, if Angie and Elizabeth were on the show today, what is the one question you'd ask them? Well,
1: I just checked their IMDb's to see what they were up to. And it looks like they haven't really made anything since, you know, Lost in the Middle. So I would be like, yo are you guys gonna make another movie? What's going on here? What's happening? I know they have children so like that could also be a reason why they haven't made another film but yeah I probably just want to hear what they've been up to like how Lost in the Middle is doing because I think by now it's got distribution and everything at the time it was like still in festivals so yeah I probably just want to get a, like an update on like the movie and then like what they're doing as artists I think that would be the, the main questions. Yeah. Yeah and I, you know it's funny like I didn't listen to the conversation you had with the Alicia, so I don't really know how good of a match this is i just felt like you know two women that were you know made a movie together i felt like that was a close enough <laughs> you know connection i know that you know angie and elizabeth are a couple too you know so that's a little bit different but like i figured that like looking over the bat the, the vast episode count like this was the best match i thought that we had so i hope you all enjoy
0: also, I like that you're pulling things from deep in the vault, right? So this has been like yeah. four years ago. Maybe people yeah. haven't heard it recently. So it makes sense just to kind of bring it back out into a new audience. But
1: yeah.
0: Arik, we have a You're the Expert for you and me, both of us <laughs> for like for the yeah. week. Yes.
2: Okay.
0: What is You're the Expert? You're the Expert is our producer, Eric Toms has decided that we're experts. Who knows why? I guess we've proven it to him somehow. And he (laughs) likes to dole out a question to us that reflects our expert opinion on something that a lot of indie filmmakers want to know about. So this week's question is, when making a low slash no budget short or feature, what are some good ways to save money? Can you recommend good cost-cutting measures? Auric, take it away.
1: So, I have a really good one. This is also very open ended. I probably could talk about this for hours, but like the one that I came top to mind is one that I actually suggested to Mutual Fund Clara because it might work for her. And she actually had done it before. So, I was like, oh, okay. So, this isn't that like much of a hot topic or a hot, hot tip, I guess. Basically, what you should do, don't buy insurance because it's too expensive. You should find somebody that you know who will underwrite you or basically become a co producer of the movie and then let you jump onto their insurance. I did that for multiple shorts. I actually had my own insurance policy for a really long time, so I just used my own production insurance. Mm. But which you're not supposed to do, but you can do, and it's fine. And then I also did it for my feature, where my, you know, one of my old partners, or I guess we're not, we're still, I guess we're not really partners anymore because I've worked with him for two years, but he's still a friend. He did the same thing for the for the alternate, where he, he let us use his insurance. He had like the best, best, fanciest insurance policy in the world, so like we we used that to make that movie and. It works really great, and I mean, it basically saves you like on a short probably like a good twelve to two thousand dollars, and then on a feature, a good eight to ten thousand dollars. So yeah, definitely do that. Liz, what do you got?
0: I made a list and they're all things that we talked about before, (laughs) but I will just say them again. Of course
1: you made a list. (laughs) list.
0: (laughs) Pages cost money. So you want to save money, cut pages in your script. Cast costs money. You want to save money, cut characters. You know, there's something in indie film called schedule F and it means essentially paying an actor a bonus outside of their day rate. It's, I think of it as a bribe, but whatever. But it is just like a little added benefit to actors. If you eradicate the policy of Schedule F payment for talent, well, then you save money. If you pay all cast and crew, MFN or Most Favored Nations, if they all get the same rate across the board, then you eliminate negotiations. Then you also eliminate, like awkward politics, and you save money. Usually cut animals, cut stunts, cut specialty locations, work with people you have access to, shoot where you have access to, and don't do genre unless you are a special effects artist yourself or in some way, shape, or form, or have good friends who do those things. So there are lots of ways to save money. I mean, it doesn't mean you have to have two people in a room with white walls talking for two hours. It just means... You know, think about what you, what resources you are connected to and, and utilize those instead of writing, you know, like a scene with a dog singing on the moon or whatever.
1: I'm going to add to that, write in locations you have access to. Did you already say this? Or, yes, and, but, and, go ahead. And, and, and or shoot outside. Because the more outside shooting you do, the better it's going to look because Mother Nature is the best gaffer in the world. And, you know, you can get so much production value by just being, you know, having a movie that takes place outside. Predominantly,
0: yes, hundred percent agree.
1: But yeah, I think everything Liz said I've done before, so it's a very good list. I would definitely double down on all those things.
0: Cut some pages, people. Cut your
1: pages. Yeah. I mean, because it saves you money. But and the reason why it saves you money is because it saves you time, and and that's like the most valuable thing when you're making a movie is time. And the more time you can give yourself to do a, a shoot a scene, the better the scene's gonna be and the happier you are gonna be as an artist. So if you like are trying to cram 12 scenes into one day, cut six of them <laughs> or as many as you possibly can, because the more you cut, the better your day's gonna go. You know, I think that's sufficient, right? It's good. Yeah, we did it. Yay. You can always send us a question, comment, or suggestion to podcast at makingmoviesishard.com. If you have a You're the Expert that you want to ask us, include those. That would be great. We haven't had anyone ask a You're the Expert yet. I think it would be fun to have someone do that. You can also leave us a review on iTunes, which would be most, most appreciated. That's like a way that the show naturally grows is by iTunes Reviews. So we have gotten quite a few this year, which is really great, but it'd be great to get some more. So that would be wonderful. Also, you can check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at MMH Podcast. YouTube at Making Movies is Hard Podcast. And we gotta give a big thanks to our bonus editor and regular editor, Jeff Reimut, for doing the editing. Thanks to our producer, Eric Toms, for being simply the awesomest person out there. Thank you all for listening, and we'll talk to y'all next week.